Marlena Chertok has two books of poetry, Crumb-Sized Poems from Unnamed Press and On That One-Way Trip to Mars from Bottle Cat Press. She uses her scalable dysplasia as a bridge to scientific writing. Marlena is a bisexual writer and the co-chair of Outright, Washington, D.C.'s annual LGBTQ literary festival. Her poems and short stories have appeared in Breath and Shadow, The Deaf Poet Society, The Little Patuxent Review, Noble Gas Quarterly, Paper Darts, Rogue Agent, Stroked Words, Word Gathering, and more. Find her at MarlenaChairtalk.com and mchairtalk. Marlena, we are super excited to have you here today. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. And uh, you've written two books, uh, two poetry books. So tell me about this book. What was the process of writing it? Did this start while you were in writer's house? And you graduated back in like 2013. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be on the Writer's House podcast. Um, those books, uh, some of the poems were, um, first of all, the books are On That One on that one Way Trip to Mars, published by Bottle Cap Press. Um, now, sadly, out of print, but also exciting <laughs> because, uh, you know, the print run was uh, purchased, which is great. Um, and uh, crumb-sized uh, poems from uh, Unnamed Press. And you can get that on their website and uh, bookshops everywhere, I guess. Maybe not everywhere, but wherever, <laughs> wherever it's sold. Um, <laughs> some of those poems were definitely birthed um, in Writer's House, or at least the like ideas for them. I think Writer's House is where I started experimenting with writing more about pain, uh, chronic pain I have, and um, disability and also um, a little bit of like trying to explore sexuality through writing because the page is actually the first place I came out to myself. So um, that's where I started to like, you know, speak some bigger truths that were like hard to say aloud and then like learn more about myself. I guess like a little bit of journaling-ish, but more through poetry. Yeah, so I guess that sort of inspires or shares how you what inspired your writing and how how your book sort of came to be. But is there anything else about um, sort of what inspires you or anything more specifically that sort of fuels your your writing or those books? Yeah, I guess for for both of the both of my books, I focus <clears throat> a lot on um, my bone disorder, spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia. Um, which causes short stature, scoliosis, uh, a lot of chronic joint pain. Um, and really it's, it's trying to like understand, uh, understand pain in a way that since pain is so invisible um, to everybody else, but very, very present for yourself, like that's something that's really interesting to me to try to explore through writing and just even try to like translate and define um, because it is so invisible, but so, so present and experienced in so many different ways. So those were some big themes of the book. Um, other than that, also trying to like um, find ways to like celebrate my uh, nerdy passions for, for like science and space. So the first book is called On That One-Way Trip to Mars, and it was really um, inspired by uh, an article I was reading that uh, talked about how 
in order to apply to NASA uh, to be in their astronaut program, you have to be a certain height. And I just got such a kick out of <clears throat> NASA and astronauts having a height restriction. Like <laughs> as somebody who's four six, I faced height restrictions my whole life on like, you know, whether I could ride a roller coaster or go on like a water slide or whatever <laughs> it might be, right? But I was like really mad <laughs> when I heard that NASA had height restrictions. So I wrote the title poem on that one-way trip to Mars. Um, I think I had written it after Writer's House, but not that long after, um, maybe 2014, um, when I was still kind of figuring out the, the, the kind of like forms that I wanted my poems to take. I, I definitely write free form. I'm not much of a form poet, but sometimes I, I like, like to have um, couplets or like, uh, the same line stanzas throughout. Um, I don't know, sometimes that gives it a little more of a shape for myself and structure. Um, I lost my train of thought a, a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of the poems were definitely birthed in Writer's House, even if not exactly what ended up in the book. And then also in Split This Rock um, community writing workshops that I've been going to since graduating and where I was trying to find like a writing community outside of Writer's House. Um, and they're a great nonprofit in the DC area that has like uh, poetry festivals, um, a youth slam team, uh, writing workshops, uh, a, a contest, many, many different programs. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess the the books were, and because um, I'll tell a story about crumb sized. Uh, so, <laughs> in elementary school, um, one of my bullies called me smaller than a crumb, and I wasn't able at that time to like talk back to him or like explain how that made me feel. But I knew that I would uh, hold on to it <laughs> and end up writing about it one day. And now it's the title of my second book. So. It's kind of like a little bit of like taking what happens to you and making light of it, but also reflecting on it and catharsis and all that in one. So that was a long-winded way of trying to explain the books. I yeah, a little that. bit of a little bit of serendipity in that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any like favorite poems you would like to share with us today? I would love to. Um from uh from the books, that's where I'll start actually. Let's see. So this is the title poem of the first book on that one-way trip to Mars. On that one-way trip to Mars, if I didn't have a bone disorder, I would go to Mars and never come back. I would go to Mars, send an application to NASA, tell them my coding is so-so, I've never peered into a robot circuitry, but I'd like to learn how. I would go to Mars, someone who has to look and write and revise to understand. Someone who believes there's other life out there, not because of scientific proof or God told me, but because I want humanity to feel less lonely. I would go to Mars and send back news of the souls. I'd create the first Martian newspaper, publish the first book of Martian poetry, paint the Martian soil with my words. 
I would go to Mars if I wasn't too short for NASA's height restrictions. I'd tell them, you can fit more short people into a rocket. Don't worry about my bone deterioration rate. I had arthritis at 13, walked like an old lady at 20. It'd be nice to float and give my bones a break. I would go to Mars if I didn't have bones clicking against each other, if I was a jellified blob, if the genetic letters within me didn't spell out feeble, different, unfit for space travel. And then this one is actually in the second book and it's kind of a, thank you so much. It's kind of a, uh, a reprise, I guess, or a response. It's called application to NASA. Even if all the pain I felt in my whole life doesn't equal the pressure and astronaut experiences in G-forces on re-entry, even if the fact that I've been staring up since I was born at people and the stars isn't enough, even if I was born with arthritis, cushioning between my bones faulty, even though I'm beneath your stated height restrictions, I was shorter than every water slide and roller coaster I've ridden on too. Even when my lower left back feels like it's been hollowed out with a jagged spoon, even through the, un even through the spreading unfeeling numbness from my butt to my toes, even if my room at 10 and 25 shines with green glow in the dark stick on stars, even when sneezing feels like I'll push my spine out of alignment, still I'm strong. I may be one of the strongest candidates you've ever had. Thank you so much. These next two are kind of similar um, with that like kind of tongue in cheek uh, look at pain and also um, just trying to like have some like self-love for your body uh, because that's been like a lesson I've really been learning since I was a kid and like you know learn more and more about my bone disorder and about pain and like maybe some limitations that my body had versus other people um, but also recognizing like the resilience uh, of my body and of so many disabled bodies. Um, so this one's called I give a cosmic middle finger because I'm always a space nerd. <laughs> I give a cosmic middle finger. The black hole in my lower left back wants to swallow me whole, but I'm trying to have more good days than dark. My back sucks my energy like a fat leech living in my spine, transforms it into the biggest invisible middle finger light years wide. You can't see it because black holes are invisible. My back adheres to their laws of gravity, absorbing my smile and confidence and blasting out darkness. I give a visible middle finger back at my back. Tell myself, I know how to talk to the, to the universe's most feared unknowns. Look it straight in the event horizon, stick out my tongue. Thank you. Uh, the, the typical Zoom snaps <laughs> that we're all accustomed to now. Appreciate it. Um, this one's called How to Feel Beautiful because I definitely don't always feel that way. Um, you know, I'm very hard on myself. I think that's a common thing, especially for women and young people. And, uh, but I'm really conscious of like trying to have more self-love. So I wrote this uh, when I was younger, um, 25, uh, now I'm 29, but it, it still rings true. <laughs> How to feel beautiful, <clears throat> excuse me. How to feel beautiful 
when you're a 25 year old with 80 year old bones. Wear dresses every day because they're easier to slip on. Put on your darkest shade of lipstick to match what feels like blood seeping out of you. Cut your hair short so it styles itself. Less work in the morning when you wake up with an orchestra of drumstick knuckle cracks. Tell yourself you're beautiful so you start feeling it. Ignore the coupling up all around you. Be strong on your own. You'll never have the bodies you see in magazines. Never walk without a limp at the end of the day. So tell yourself your size and shape is all you have. Your blood is still made up of iron from ancient stars. Thank you. Um, I think I'll share just a few more. So I'm working on a piece uh, on a collection of poems. Uh, as, as you've heard by now, I'm a big space nerd and science nerd. I work at a uh, environmental sustainability nonprofit um, and just uh, am, you know, really invested in uh, trying to work against climate change and also terrified by it. So <laughs> I write my fears. Um, so yeah, this is uh, from a collection of climate change poems I'm working on. And this is called Earth Swallow Me Whole. Earth, swallow me whole. You don't need to chew or cut me into pieces. I'm already crumb sized. Swallow me entirely. It's better for your digestive juice lava core to ignite my bones than the ghost creep of your rising seas. Don't drown me. Don't burn me with your warming. Swallow me whole and savor it. And I might read one more of that, but I have to pull it up. So one second. Excuse the typing. Okay. This is um, the first one I wrote in that collection. Um, and it was based on a song called Are Things Still Burning by M. Harris. Really eerie, really, uh, something that you can listen to on repeat, definitely recommend. Um, and yeah, I kind of just took that line um, and swapped it into things are still burning. So things are still burning after are things still burning by M. Harris. When the sky went black, we didn't know what to do. We stayed inside for months, threw towels over the windows so we wouldn't have to stare back at an, ab at an abyss we created. I can't imagine life on earth now. Life on earth is a sweaty mess. We can't breathe. Children and the elderly wear temperature regulating body suits. Our houses are equipped with smoke cyclers. They constantly break. We stay up all night coughing. I have to tell you, things are still burning. The trees we planted too late licked by hungry flames. Crops wither outside beneath a hazy orange sky. What does it look like to you from 17,000 miles up? The smoke obscure the mountain ranges and lakes, the curves of rivers. Can you still see clouds casting hundred mile smudges on the earth? Thank you. 
Thank you, Marlena. That was, I, I realize now that this is the first time I've heard you read in a very long time from one of the, one of Ambie's other Zoom calls. So this is, this is such a treat getting to hear oh, you thank read you. on Zoom. Yes. Thank you so I much. I really like miss your voice and the, you have a strong like spoken word voice. I love it. Thank you so much. I've, I've, uh, been trying to like so something that I really remember from Writer's House is like when we all had finished our chapbooks and like went to a nearby printing press to like you know uh bind them and and put them together um Jonna had to stand up in class and like practice our reading voices and that was really like exciting and scary and some people were like really not ready for it. And like, some people just don't like public speaking at all. Some people were like clearly practiced um, and had been going to turp poets or other open mics. So it was just really, really empowering though, to like practice your voice and be told by like a professor, a director of creative writing, like, um, hey, you have a voice and you can like share your poems and like stand up and like read them. And it was, yeah, that that's just, a memory that popped back in my head when you when you said that. You're um, you're beating me to all the questions too. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you have a favorite memory from Writer's House, but <laughs> it's you, definitely you yeah. It. I okay, so I'll share another one. Um, one time, uh, my roommate uh, Queen wanted to do something really nice for Jana for Jana Schmidt, the director, um, when she was out uh, of her office. So we did it sneakily. And I think I happened to have a key because I uh, worked as a social media manager. So <laughs> I was able to break into her office. <laughs> and a bunch of uh, the students had written like little cards and we like strung up little lanyards with like notes and like just oh. left out little like candies. And we just wanted mm. to like do a little teacher appreciation day because John is the best and like really empowering students for like our, our student led initiatives and like just really like believes in student writing and like that they are able to become writers. And it's, it's so amazing to like be given that space. So that was a really fun afternoon to spend decorating her office. <laughs> and then when she walked in, she was like blown away. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Jonna, Jonna, if you're listening, shout out to you. We 100% love you. agree. 100% from, agree. from three generations of social media managers. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. I have so many good memories of like, I would also go into the office. So, like, I um, didn't have access to Jonna's office, but I had access to the other office where all the administration people. So, everyone would ask me for either snacks or. <laughs> for access to like drop your stuff off or something they're like you have the keys like you are someone special <laughs> it's such a funny <laughs> feeling to like be a student but kind of have a little more access that you can like break in if you need to. <laughs> one time I remember having um Tayo he was uh he was a graduate assistant when I was uh when I was at um living in Queen Anne's and he called me like one of the two in the morning. He's like, hey, I like was studying in the office and I left my key. And I was like, can you, can you come get me? And I was like, sure. Like, thank God I was awake. <laughs> Typical undergrad. <laughs> thank God really I even lived in Queen Anne's before I got in stuck then. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, 
when I went to uh, Writer's House and UMD, it was uh, in Dorchester. Dorch, good old Dorch. <laughs> yeah. Well, Queen Nancy's become our little home now. Yeah. yeah, it seems really cozy with the uh, the library that you all have and and that um, printing hub or publishing hub. What's it called? Uh, Pro Lab. Pro Lab. I literally lived in, I lived in the Pro Lab for like a good while. <laughs> I had a little sign there that said Andy's room. <laughs> I had a little schedule that I was like, this is my nap schedule. Do not wake me. <laughs> I remember giving you, we're giving you the hot goss on this podcast. The, the best places for naps. <laughs> how to break into your professor's <laughs> offices <laughs> i remember one time um donna went to go she opened so i was passed out asleep on the couch and um donna came in like open the light and she's sleeping and she's like oh no i'm sorry i forgot it's <laughs> it's not it's Amy's nap time <laughs> i'm like it's okay i have to wake up in 30 minutes anyways <laughs> oh that's great um the next question is for you is that you can tell us a little bit of outright dc and your chair position with that give us the feel of that yeah i'd love to <clears throat> so outright is uh another local poetry community um, and literary organization it's under the dc center for lgbt community um in dc and uh part of their like center arts branch of programming uh so it's a annual festival for LGBT folks, um, you know, writing, readers, uh, there's panel discussions, workshops, um, there's a book fair, there's a journal that people can submit to, uh, sometimes there's chapbook competitions. Uh, one of the uh, recent Writer's House uh, alumna uh, recently got their book published through it, so that's pretty cool. Uh, oh, Writer's House represent, yeah, Paula. Um, and let's see, I think that's all the things. Yeah, so I've been for the past like three years helping with the small planning committee um, to put on a festival. Um, and it was super fun to like get on the ground experience of that. Um, and uh, it's free to attend as well, I should say, uh, free every August, um, first weekend of August. And this year we had to go virtual um, because, you know, COVID, uh, but we, we figured it out and Dave Ring and myself and all of the uh, DC Center folks and volunteers, I think I'll say like held really a great festival, even though it had to go virtual and uh, it was actually nominated for like a mayor's arts award. So like it, yeah, we, we got some recognition, which is great for, for the festival itself. And so Dave asked if I wanted to step in as co-chair um, this year and uh, that was really exciting uh, because that imposter syndrome voice is telling me, you're not ready. You're like, <laughs> who are you to like lead a, a festival? What? But I've been, you know, helping for three years now. So I kind of know the ropes and I can always ask questions. And also I'm so happy that I'm co-chairing with uh, a good friend, Malik Thompson, who's a local uh, gay poet and just amazing person and fellow Leo. We have the same birth date, but different <laughs> years. <laughs> so a great person to co-chair with and just, yeah, try to figure out how to like bring more inclusive uh, queer spaces to the literary community and how to just 
you know, help more people get into this, um, help support emerging writers and uh, lovers of, of queer books. Yeah. So yeah so I was just going to say, it. if you're interested in Outright, look us up on the DC Center website and the 2021 festival is August 6th to 8th. And we're still planning that out and determining, you know, if it will be able to be in person or virtual or a mixture. Yeah, so talking to sort of the wanting to bring something up for um, for new and emerging writers, do you have any advice for Writers House students or for aspiring writers who are graduating or just sort of working on their first big projects? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think something that was really important for me and could be helpful for emerging writers is really finding your writing community. Um, something that like, you know, we have as writer's house, like you're living and learning together or like during COVID you're workshopping together and Zooming together and all that, um, you don't have when you graduate. Uh, so finding ways to either stay in touch with, with those folks and like share writing with them or to join like a writing workshop of some form uh, or other type of literary organization that was really something I wanted to focus on after graduating. So I got involved with Outright, got involved with Split This Rock, started going to like festivals like um, the Frostburg Indie Lit Festival and uh, the Association of Writers and Writing Programs, AWP. Um, there's so many things out there, no matter where you are. And COVID has shown us that you can also do things virtually and you know meet people all over the world who like things you like and write things you write or just finding people to write with online and, and share with beta readers, whatever it might be. So I guess my long-winded <laughs> spiel is just like really trying to find places that you feel like you belong and places that give you inspiration and a sense of community. Um, and there's, there's definitely so many out there. There's um, spaces for like, uh, for, for black writers, for disabled writers, um, for Asian American writers, queer writers, uh, just to name a few, there's like Lambda Literary, Kaveh Kanem, Kundiman, um, I'm forgetting. Oh, Zoe Glossia is a new disabled writers festival. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so many things out there that are filled with really cool people, definitely need like emerging writers to come in and like help take up the mantle too. So that's one I would say is, was, was big for me. I love that, that's great advice. Um, so our last question for you is, where can we find you on social media? And you already mentioned where you can get, you know, your book, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am at M Churcock, M-C-H-E-R-T-O-C-K um, on uh, Twitter and also Instagram. And I'm Marlena Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E on Facebook. Um, that's my middle name. <laughs> and also my website is marlenachertok.com. And I think that's all the spaces I'm on. There's also uh, some uh, uh, social media for Outright as well that you can find, find me on behind the scenes. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Do you have any, any final words or a last piece that you'd like to share? Or anything else? I guess I'd like to thank again 
Jana and Writer's House for being a space that like helped professionalize my writing career. Like, and I, I know that like professional writer can have like a negative connotation, but I mean it in the best way with this is like, just like I was saying earlier, like when Jana was helping us learn our voices and like really like get on a quote unquote stage and practice sharing our writing, like it was little things like that. And just the space overall of a writer's house um, that really gave me the courage to like, know I could do this uh, and like maybe be successful at it. And like, just like being able to make your own manuscript and chapbook and then present it to, to others at LitFest and having different opportunities for those student-led initiatives. Like me and a friend, Taylor Lewis, um, started up the Writer's Block newsletter, um, which is now still running and like has its own life and is amazing that that can be like a new arts literary newspaper at UMD that didn't exist before. Um, and Turpoets and uh, Stylists, the literary magazine. Like there's so many, so many spaces that Writer's House cultivates for uh, young writers. And I think that's so special and important. And yeah, just helped me feel like I was more, more of a real writer. <laughs> Like before, you know, when I was just writing for myself uh, and self, you know, going to Office Depot and binding, <laughs> you know, asking for it to be spiral bound or something, uh, it, it felt real in a different way. But Writer's House made made it feel like a real dream uh, in a, in another way. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll share one or two more poems with you all. Yes. Close us out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this. This has been really fun. Of course. We always love. Yeah, we're, we're so happy to have you. you. Yeah. We were making like a list of alumni and we were like, we want Marlena so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. Like, Top of the list. I love Writer's House so much. It's, it's just, it's also like been fun to like have um, alumni events uh, and like, get to know you know current and recent alums too like that's just that's it's so special I don't think every community is like that yeah yeah definitely I'm so glad we connected like a year ago yeah <laughs> and we need to like uplift writers house students because we've got some really great writers doing some really great stuff yeah. um <laughs> speaking of uh yeah Maya Motain in my class or a year under um uh, has Nocturna out and Rosie, I'm forgetting her last name. Berman? Brown. Sorry, Rosie, Rosie Brown. Brown. Thank you. Yes. yes. Um, okay. And I can't remember the title of her book, but it's getting a lot of attention. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> go check them out. <laughs> okay, so I'll read two about um, sexuality and like figuring out queerness and that that's a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. And of course this one is also spacey because why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Comet Gazing. A pretty girl slept in my bed last night. 
freckles scattered across her face like constellations. In the morning, I told her, I really like you. Our lips pulled together by gravity, crashing like planets sucked into a black hole. We bought binoculars and drove for an hour to get outside the city, less light pollution, better for stargazing. We unfurled a blanket, laid down next to each other on the grass, inspiring other amateur stargazers to enter the field, turn their faces to the sky. Our compass said face northwest. The website said look beneath the Big Dipper to spot the comet, visible now for the last time for 6,800 years. The clouds were too thick, but we saw Jupiter or Saturn, we're not sure which, they were close to each other too. When the sky grew darker, blue lights lit up the grass. The cop's voice a siren in hushed stillness. We packed up, drove the hour home, folk songs blaring. We'll trespass again. Two satellites broadcasting in the dark, hoping to be heard. Thank you. And this one is similar to um, those themes and also like some of that imposter syndrome I was talking about earlier that I struggle with and I know a lot of other people do too. Um, this one's called Dayenu, which uh, is Hebrew for it would have been enough. I say to myself each day, you are not enough. It is so exhausting, tearing my own self down. Not strong, not clear enough, not a real writer. Still, deep down, I know the truth. I am enough. Repeat this mantra, believe it. Thank you. Thank you, Marlena. It's so I'm great. Like, I'm I know, shocked. I'm, like an, I'm shocked. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are just making my heart so happy. Yay, that's the job. <laughs> uh, I think I'll end on this one. Um, it's one that I wrote recently at one of the Split This Rock workshops. And that's what I love about workshop is that uh, there's a different facilitator each time. They bring a different prompt and sometimes the prompt uh, works for me sometimes it doesn't but like it's just nice to try to do new things and read new poems and write baby poems <laughs> um, so yeah uh, somebody had brought in stubborn ounces by Bonaro W Overstreet and um, one of my favorite things to do in poems uh, is like have them talk back to each other like I think that poetry and art in general like is just a huge conversation um, so yeah, I like to, you know, obviously give credit to where the idea came from or like lift a line or two, but especially if I'm feeling stuck, that's like been something that's really helpful to get out of that writer's block. Um, so yeah, this one's called Valuable Weight, uh, and you should read Stubborn Ounces because it's great, uh, a great piece on its own. Valuable Weight After Stubborn Ounces by Bonaro W. Overstreet. Take up space. Don't move over for them. Don't budge on your convictions. They'll tell you you have to change, fit in, can't be caring for others your whole life, need to focus on you. But take up space. Don't move over for them. Don't budge on your convictions. Choose carefully where you put the stubborn ounces of your weight. They'll tell you stop caring about anyone else but yourself. Otherwise, you'll be trampled on. They say you can't make a living out of anything you love. That's not true work. Take up space. 
Be stubborn where it counts. Press your finger into the earth. See the indentation you leave? Your stubborn weight matters. You weigh as much as you need to. You beautiful mesh of stardust. You add valuable weight to this world. That was so beautiful. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are awesome interviewers and this is just wonderful. And I'm so excited that Writer's House has a space to like, you know, share current and former student work. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, we're so glad we have it too. And we're so glad you were able to jump on and, and do this with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.